Have you ever heard of Candyman? No. Well, his right hand is sawn off. He has a hook jammed in the bloody stump. And if you look in the mirror and you say his name five times, he'll appear behind you, breathing down your neck. You want to try it? Candyman. 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 No one ever got past four. Candyman. Well, folks. Hello. What's up, guys? Welcome to Movie Schmovie. Mm-hmm. Episode 224. That's yes. right. Yep. 224. Candyman Schmandyman. Yeah. Love it. When I typed it out on my Evernote <laughs> note, I was like, this is going to sound great yeah. when we say it out loud. Come on. Yeah. Um, this is sort of the follow-up in a weird way to a couple of years ago, we did uh, Sleepaway Camp, Schmeepaway Schmamp, mm-hmm. which was one of three series we mentioned that we could do an entire episode covering them. So if we do cover Candyman on this episode, that means the one that's left is Puppet Master. Yeah. So this is, maybe in a couple of years we'll get around to doing Puppet Master. Oh, yeah. I and start, they're still putting those movies out. Yeah, and in fact... One that, recently yeah. came out. That would be a much bigger deal. Yeah. Honestly. Be. It's a big undertaking. But taking on the Candyman trilogy, can yeah. we call it? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in one episode seems like just the sort of thing we should do at this time of the year when the when the sun's going down a little bit earlier and the oh, yeah. leaves are blowing down the road and, and and people are putting on crazy costumes and putting out decorations, it's starting to feel a little spooky around here in Shmovie yeah. HQ. So we just wanted to kind of meet that situation more than halfway, I think, Absolutely. do our part by dragging out a film series that hasn't had a new entry in almost 20 years. Yeah. Right. Next year, 20 years of the fair one coming out. Wow. So I think the reason that, <clears throat> that Candyman came back up in our conversation was because there was a headline... One of many headlines that are like this. Jordan Peele thought about doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jordan Peele took a meeting. Yeah. But there's talk of Jordan Peele updating or rebooting, maybe as a producer, maybe as some having a more of a role on it. But right. but that was the thing that made, made me say, guys, since Jordan Peele is looking at Candyman again after all this time, should we? Absolutely. And do you think maybe at the end of this episode we could suggest to Jordan Peele one way or the other whether he should take on Candyman or whether he should run far away from that? Maybe that's oh, yeah. The, Maybe that's the goal of that's our conversation. Yeah. This is really just like a think tank for Jordan. Like, yes. We're just kind of like hashing it out for him. He can save all the production meetings, save the budget for, what, what is it, Monkey Paw? Is that his production yeah. company? Um, so this is on the house for him. Yeah. Hopefully he'll like maybe come on one day. Yeah. It's like, you know what? When you when you guys mentioned. Yeah. Is that your Jordan Peele? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a little bit like a sleepy Jordan Peele, but yeah. it was there. He always sells like yeah. sleep. You know what I think? He's working is? hard. Right? He's working so hard that like when he's meeting up, he's got, uh-huh. he's on his way to sleep. He's rebooting Twilight Zone. He's working on that. his follow up yeah. to Get Out. He's got this HBO show coming out, uh, Lovecraft Country, I think it's called. It's gonna yeah. be cool. Man. So busy guy. Should he add Candyman to his plate? That's what mm. we'll be addressing in this episode of Movie Schmovie. But also for me, this was just. I had never watched the Candyman films, not not one of them. Any? Wow. Not one okay. of them. So this, okay. for me, was a was a deep dive and, a, and sort of a, a crash course in Candyman-ness. Yeah. Where were you guys with the Candyman series before this uh, this attempt? So I realized that I maybe hadn't watched the whole Candyman at all. Like, I I remember the end of the first one, parts of it, and I didn't know what movie it was attached to. And then come to, oh, wow. come to find out, I'm like, oh, oh, this is Candyman. This is what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, didn't, I haven't. Watched any beyond f- parts of the first before we went into this? Yeah, uh, I totally watched them all when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, even the third one when it was straight to DVD or whatever it was. Yeah, the first one was like a really, I don't know, really popular film like in yeah. the early mid nineties when it when it was coming out. It was yeah. in ninety ninety two two? Okay, um, I think mainly because of like the Tony Todd performance, and I think yeah. just that. There's there's like the Bloody Mary urban legend like there's all these things that like you know the bathroom light out mirror thing and it's like holy shit like this is a movie about that and yeah. it was you know the 90s weren't uh, especially great with horror films so like you know th- it was kind of like a popular slasher film that really wasn't super popular in theaters but like I I remember seeing it on I don't know if I saw it in theaters I definitely I feel like saw it on DVD or home video but it de- it got a bigger following from there which is why the sequels were kind of made but yeah, I don't know. I just remember. I, I kind of remember being into the first one pretty 
heavy like when it came out i yeah. thought it was like really solid because when you looked at what was coming out around that time it really was kind of like a, a wasteland of movies mm. you know, like horror films mm-hmm. uh, and not that i feel like it's a special special movie but i think that you know going back and watching it now and kind of remembering how i felt about it when they came out uh it kind of was pretty consistent i felt like my experience is watching them in terms of like the kind of drop off i felt that the movies experienced mm. but i think that the candy man you know the hook the visual the bees the honey the tony todd performance really kind of stands out and you know most people remember it and it kind of like ranks high on like most lists when you know ranker or certain sites do like you know slashers or like boogeyman and like mm-hmm. you know it's a pretty iconic performance you know or character at least so I took that with me, you know, as as what I remember Candyman was like the mirror, the lights out, the hook for the hand and and a pretty good character, you know, boogeyman. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a you're right. It is a boogeyman character and it does take in that urban legend mm. thing, which was yeah. always Bloody Mary when I was a kid growing up. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, you went to the bathroom and even not believing in any of that shit, you could turn the light out in the bathroom and creep yourself out Absolutely. at the notion that well, I don't want to find out stupidly and 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 uh, pompously, you yeah. know that that there's something real, and I think it preys on that idea. The legend first appeared in 1890. Candyman was the son of a slave. His father had amassed a considerable fortune from designing a device for the mass producing of shoes after the Civil War. It's a pretty crazy origin. I mean, it's it almost is. like they saw the origin of Freddy Krueger and said, "How can we one up the origin of Freddy right, Krueger?" Yeah. Candyman had been sent to all the best schools. And had grown up in polite society. He had a prodigious talent as an artist. I was in this latter capacity that he was commissioned by a wealthy landowner to capture his daughter's virginal beauty. <laughs> his paintings come up in later <laughs> movies. Sadly, you didn't watch part three, Ronald, but um, he's a painter. Okay. He's a great painter. They're very sexy. Yeah. Well, of course, they fell deeply in love and she became pregnant. Poor Candyman. Father executed a terrible revenge. He paid a pack of brutal hooligans to do the deed. They chased Candyman through the town to Cabrini Green, where they proceeded to saw off his right hand with a rusty blade. No one came to his aid. But this was just the beginning of his ordeal. Nearby, there was an apiary. Dozens of hives filled with hungry bees. They smashed the hives and stole the honeycomb and smeared it over his prone, naked body. Candyman was stung to death by the bees. They burnt his body on a giant pyre and then scattered his ashes over Cabrini Green. So it's a character that's incredibly loaded. He doesn't just show up like Freddy Krueger with the quips. He shows up, but the whole time you're thinking this guy was the child of slaves and was killed by clearly racist people. It's not the same thing as as Freddy Krueger. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So you kind of want to be sympathetic to this guy, but there's really nothing in what he's doing that you can be remotely sympathetic with. He seems right. to be completely evil in that sense. His motivations for doing what he's doing aren't very clear. I mean, they're clear. I mean, you he says what it is. Like, I want... Hold on. So I want you to keep speaking my name. I want to basically create these horrors so that my reputation keeps going like on the forever. Like the legend. Le- the legend oh, yeah, goes on yeah. forever, but... What? They do explain in the later movie, in part two, they explain how the mirror became part of the yes. mythos, so to yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. But in the first movie, it's just established that if you look in the mirror and say Candyman five times... Which is a lot. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. I think three is more cinematic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five is a lot. No wonder uh, in Beetlejuice they went with three. The first movie deals with Virginia Madsen, and she is what? She's a researcher at a college, college in, yeah. in Chicago. Chicago. The, the geography is all over the place in this series. It is. notes. <laughs> it is all over the so place. So it starts in Chicago, and it has to do with, I mean, again, it seems like it's it's steeped in like actual social issues or things that you could be touching on that horror movies don't normally touch on. And I mm-hmm. would say that's what I expected these movies to do. I thought, oh, from the outside, that it was going to deal with these issues of race. And it, it kind of does, but it also kind of doesn't in a way that feels very of its time, that yeah. you still have to have a white, blonde lady yeah. as the protagonist yeah. in the movie. 
And because Candyman is a black guy, they, they have these black man jump scares throughout the movies. Yes. Where, like, someone turns around and it's just a black guy. Other guy, yeah. But it's like, it's treated as like, oh, for a second, I thought you were Candyman. One black guy did have a hook in his hand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, that guy was bad news. Bad news. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she then gets deeper into it. And it's maybe a structure that's familiar to you from a lot of horror movies where there's something sneaky and gross and there's something evil going on. Mm. And here's a person who's kind of. A, a dabbler in this world who's going right. to find out about it. Right. Um, and it's, it's you know, I almost hesitate to call this movie a slasher film because it doesn't have the usual rhythms of a slasher film. Like, this is kind of a weird scenario where once you say Candyman five times and he shows up, it's like shit's on. I was trying to figure out what was happening. Like, what, what was he using her as a... He didn't kill her. He saw her like a couple times and just like, oh, come with me. Another thing I noticed about Candyman is he had a bunch of catchphrases he has a bunch of like mantras like he's like uh you know spread the word of a, you know yeah. i like to spread the word or whatever then i'm gonna i'm gonna gut you from from growing to gullet. From the gullet yeah. yeah and then he has another one he had a pretty decent oh one. they have the they have the sweets for the sweet that's yeah. not him i don't think i don't know if he says that it's written but that's, up on, it's graffiti yeah, yeah but then like characters through all three movies yeah. say that it has it's a bunch of like the one that got me though which is just not a good pitch at all, mm-hmm. is Be My Victim. Yes. He loves that one. Be my victim. Be my victim. I was trying to figure this out, and I don't want to go across all three yeah. movies too quick. Right, right. Uh-huh. But there's like a through line where like there's a reason why he's targeting like these three women in the right. three films. And whether it's lineage or like a likeness to someone, yes, you know, because um, like Virginia Madsen's Helen's character looks like Caroline. We don't know that in the first movie, though. In I, the first I, movie, he says it was always you, Helen, right? Because I, I, which I, makes me think she's the reincarnation of Caroline. See, I, I read that as like he just sees like she looks like her, yeah. like that she looks okay. like her. I think that's a retcon, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's that, and there's like uh, 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 what was it like a great grandfather and then a great great grandfather in the two and third which is very so like there's lineage there but it seems like like those three are the ones that he's saying be my victim and in all three of those cases there's somebody that he's holding hostage to trade for their willingness to be the victim so (laughs) um why he just couldn't kill them yeah yeah like why they had to like will maybe there's like a willing sacrifice of self to to allow him to really like ascend to some sort of like higher level of folklore or yeah, of we're legend. We're jumping into this with the first movie, but but it is true that I, one of the, my general concerns was that it's very ill-defined. It and is. I think you, Ronald, you you have said, I mean, I had this thought in my head before, but I know this is something that you are, are you know, you have a sticking point with about horror and supernatural horror is when they don't really seem to have rules. No, there's no rules. I don't mind when it's mysterious and weird, but I like for it to make a certain kind of sense. Yeah, right. But I didn't know, like in the first movie, it wasn't clear to me whether he is, is, is corporeal. What does that mean? Like a physical being. Oh, okay. Or whether he's some kind of presence that can appear at will because he seems to disappear and reappear at will, but he also gets caught in a bonfire and ends up getting vanquished just yeah. when a bonfire topples on him. You know, he can't like teleport out of there at the yeah. end so it seems like he can sh- he, he so can he also control people too because i was trying to get that because he like i don't think so he he like turned he turned her around and like she's like mm. i don't know man which, which which her are you talking about, talking oh, about virginia, virginia the first yeah. helen yeah but in the first movie it it's like they don't explain whether helen was the reincarnation of caroline the the woman that he fell in love with and that uh, maybe yeah yeah, yeah. um or or if if it's just a likeness, it's not made clear. It's right. just if there were never another Candyman film, you could that movie would end, and you would think, "Oh, it, it was always you, Helen." Is a way of saying she's connected to him in this right, way, right? Right. And she's even more connected to him in that at the end, he seems to have been vanquished, and she's sort of taken his place yeah. as yeah. this vengeful demon. Which I think it's interesting that none of the sequels have picked up that idea of oh. Helen and where she is and what she's doing. You know. Is she off killing people who say Helen five times yep. while he's going on One with his career assume. as Candyman? One can only assume. <laughs> with burnt off hair, yeah. yeah, with like a Alien Nation type of like prosthetic <laughs> for hair. Yeah. All I could think of was Alien Nation when I was like seeing her in the casket and like when she gets the husband at the end. Yeah. Or yeah, the ex-husband. I don't know if they're whatever they were, but um, yeah, I don't know. Let, let's kind of focus back to the first one yeah. a little bit and kind of walk through some things uh, that 
that kind of stood out to me. I, I'll just say, like, I, I kind of feel like the cold open of the first one. Yeah. I remember that, like, very vividly going back to watch this movie. Like, of all the scenes that stood out to me, the, the soft open with, like, Ted Raimi and, like, you know, the girlfriend mm-hmm. and, like, the whole she finishes the mantra and the blood coming through the ceiling. I actually really like that opening sequence. Yeah, I do too. I think it's pretty effective because I feel like it really does tap into, like, the the Bloody Mary, like, yeah. just just the yeah. self-contained in a house, how scary it is, a light goes off, and it just, it happens quick. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets up what you were saying, John, where, like, he comes and he kills you. Yeah. Like, it's over. Like, right. you know, it's pretty quick. And and I remember that as being, like, pretty shocking as watching it as, like, <laughs> a 12-year-old or whatever it was. And um, I was just sad and we that didn't still get holds more, up to me. Like, I was sad we didn't get more of Ted Raimi. Yeah, you know? yeah. I wonder what the connection was that got him... Uh, he was why, Billy. Yeah, yeah, Billy. Yeah, <laughs> Billy. Um, I don't know if I don't forget the director's name of the first one, but uh, Bernard, Bernard Rose. Okay, yeah. written and directed by Bernard Rose. What a no tour. Um, based on a, a Clive Barker short story called The Forbidden, mm, right. and I did a little digging into that story, and it didn't have any of the uh, say his name five times stuff. No. Oh, it was more read the same. I read the uh, same. The, and he, he was also more of a clownish type figure, mm. more befitting the name Candyman, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, that element of that he comes and that he works within this milieu of this kind of urban squalor, I think was one of the things that was a common thing. And they, they said when they, you know, when they decided to set it in the States that they said that the whole, and again, it's hard to know. I don't even think he's, he, I think he's a white guy in the Clive Barker story. So there's not even that kind of racial element. So it really is like they brought it over to the States and they added this whole other dimension to it. Hmm. And I still think it's kind of strange that, that it doesn't really seem to want to deal head on with like the implications of that stuff. It just uses that yeah. background as like, oh, this is exciting. This sounds really scintillating. And I just don't think you would make a movie now that would have that in someone's backdrop, the, the story of slavery and this kind of racial, racial violence, yeah. without that being part of the text of the story yeah. going forward. You don't spend that much time with Candyman outside of those few scenes where he shows up. And like you guys said, those kind of mantras that he says, he kind of is... It's like he does have a hypnotic effect or something right. on the person that is he's dealing with. Is there sexual tension between the two of them? I think it's supposed to be there. I mean, I think there is... It made me feel weird, man. There's a suggestion... It, ma- it makes you feel even weirder in the later movies. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, with his uh, great-great-granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> but the suggestion that he's attracted to this woman because she reminds him of the woman that he fell in love with in the beginning that started mm-hmm. all this trouble is there. But again, why that's some kind of demonic thing where he wants to kill and destroy everything. Yeah. Um, I guess we're just supposed to believe that the rage that he died in is kind of marked him so that now when he shows up, he's, he's full of that rage. The other thing that really kind of like na- watching it now, I cared more to to know than mm-hmm. when I remember watching it when I was younger. Was like that opening is is very tight and memorable, and you like the, the, to getting into Helen's story. Like the tie is that she's recording this story, like for her research paper about this legend, mm-hmm. about this Candyman legend, and everything, and that 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 brings us into her world. But there's there's no real effort to like really kind of explain or tie in like if that was a short story shared by a friend of a friend and she records more of a friend of a friend like what's tying those people together to like why the candy man right goes everywhere like is mm-hmm. it just following the call yeah. in the mirror like mm-hmm. to whoever does it cuz the cuz it seems like the this film and even the ones that follow once you get into the main character it almost seems like his attacks are like more localized right. to yeah. like that area in Chicago or New Orleans or or LA yeah. like I don't know if that's just supposed to be like for this little snapshot of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like in between all the stories, are that all these hearing. people saying Candyman yes. into the mirror and yes. getting killed instantly. Yes. But he's like, I'm really focusing in on these these blonde in this, ladies in this area. Yeah. yeah, these blonde chicks that like <laughs> apparently I'm tied to. <laughs> yeah. And it's just by chance that she's researching him that like mm-hmm. t- that like zones him into her because I almost feel like it's it's kind of like you know you talk about Freddy or Jason or Michael like. There, there. Whether there's a consistency across the victims, like there really is, like a locale to that that, that they're really going after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not as like as wide and 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 arbitrary as like the Candyman showing up in the mirror, which could also be scarier. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's there's something bigger about that. Mm-hmm. But the movies seem like they kind of like really focus in on like a piece of the story of why this woman, why this, why this project you know apartment building or why this you know slave house in new orleans you know whatever film we're talking about but just in this one it really stood out to me because i thought that that opening was so great yeah 
because you're getting all these secondhand stories of like across the country or the yeah. world even. There's no real logic to who he goes after. Right. So why, um, you know, asking too much of a logic, I guess. But it just stood out to me because, I mean... The, I don't know if you're asking too much, that, though. I mean, that, I that's that the, it's like the, it's so sketched in right. that it really is though they didn't bother to work it out. As though they yeah. just knew there are these horror movie signifiers that you can have a scene and you can have these... You know, that, that you've got that. He's the hook-hand killer guy who you say his name in the mirror... And he also brings bees with him. You know, I mean, that, there's a lot there to yeah. process. I thought that bathroom that she went into after hearing that really creepy story yeah. that the kid told her about the the kid that that had his junk cut off and yeah. thrown in the toilet, yeah. you know, and was laying in a puddle of his own blood. Were we to believe that was done by Candyman or that was done by the gang that was skulking around that bathroom where the guy says he's the, the guy who's got the hook and is saying, I heard you were looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note here for that lineup yeah. scene. I love that lineup. Um, I, I feel like you're supposed to lean more towards the gang. Yeah. Okay. Like, so the gang just, did that to this but, kid. I think. But maybe I that's think. what's keeping this whole, like Jake, the kid in the projects, that's yeah. what his view of the candy man exactly. is. So it's like this other guy, this gang member, is using this this urban legend yes. to, to further himself. I mean, again, that's a very interesting notion that's yeah. just kind of skirted past. They should have fleshed that out a little bit. I thought that was cool that yeah. this man calls himself Candyman and kind of moves around like him. Yeah. Sweets to the Sweet is written on the wall in shit. It is and very, it is very dis- not so sweet. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking how bad that whole room must smell. Luckily, she got to those bees in time and she flushed them. Yeah. <laughs> there I, some I, bees. I, not that it matters like in terms of when this comes out, but I, I noticed the release date was 26 years ago to the day that we're recording this. Oh, look at that. Look, Holy October shit. 16th. Look at that. Not that Jeez. it matters, but... I have a small mirror. It, it's. Uh, let's <laughs> yeah. not say we did. Yeah, that man... He strikes um, so quickly. I don't know. A couple other notes I wanted to just say. Like, I was reading some more about the production. I don't know if you guys came across this. Interestingly enough, Eddie Murphy was initially I saw that. supposed to be the Candyman. Yes. What? <laughs> okay, what was he thinking? Was he thinking, I'm going to... I mean, like, if, if he was even considering that. Right. Was he considering doing something like what like what Tony Todd does? Or was right. this movie going to go in a more Freddy Kruegerish direction of he was going to be wisecracking and, and you know... Who knows wow. what that movie would have looked like? Right, right. I kind of want to go to that alternate it. dimension and see that version of this movie. It makes movie. me think of Vampire. I was going to just say, yeah. I feel like he went and made Vampire in Brooklyn. But the, I, yeah. Did you ever, you showed me that article. Yeah, I, I sent you that article. Where, like, the tone of that movie was supposed to be a little different. Yeah. And that's interesting. And that's man. the power of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. let's make this a comedy. By the way, I love Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I hate that movie. It's a pretty iconic, I legitimately yeah. my cousin brings it up like it's a good movie like don't ever his hair alone yeah I just remember saying shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines ever <laughs> oh man oh god um, what else oh, there was another name oh, Sandra Bullock yeah, yeah. Sandra Bullock was, was uh, I'm sure we saw the Helen, wiki page yeah. like that's so it's interesting that like Virginia Madsen takes the role because the director's wife gets knocked up yeah it's supposed to be Helen to begin with and then she takes a role but then she apparently a couple of different places I read she almost fell through and that they had like Sandra Bullock on the back burner mm-hmm. <laughs> a 1992 Sandra Bullock yeah right. so you know this is pre-everything I don't know if the net had come out yet jeez uh, and she had kind of hit that or not going for these genre movies but that would have been an interesting movie to have Sandra Bullock and Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. well Virginia does a really good job I, I thought yeah the, I think the performances are pretty yeah. her did... performance and, and Tony Todd's everyone else not so much yeah. but the husband like cracks me up yeah um, What's his name? Xander Berkeley is the actor. Yeah. And he Trevor. always plays a douche. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. But he, And he does a pretty good job, you know? Like, he really played a very memorable douche on 24. Um, yeah. But, like, a douche with a, ultimately a, a backbone. Um, but, yeah, he always plays a douche. And Walking and, Dead, he was in? Yes. Yeah. And it's mm. and he usually plays the guy who you want to see get, get you know, killed with a hook from, from groin to gullet. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting that in this movie it looked like he got away, but no. You know the the, yeah. the kind of coda where where Virginia Madsen is now, and again, do we what do we call her? Is she is she Helen Helen mm. Helen Man? <laughs> he just he, says Helen five times. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean that's that, that that's her that's her that's the legend. I did think that was kind of funny and sort of oh boy, really? He's gonna say her name like Helen? <laughs> He's Helen that heartbroken. What's 
the matter, Trevor? Scared of something? By the way, if I die, try saying my name five times in a mirror. Done. I promise I'll come back and like I'll be like, let's get pizza or something. <laughs> yeah. I won't be I won't be there to kill you. Um But anyway, so she's in the apartment or he's in the apartment with his new girlfriend who was a student of his yeah. that he was clearly having a thing yeah. with earlier. And then we don't know how much time has passed, do we? Since she was dead. Mm-mm. But it's been enough. But they finished painting the apartment. Yeah. yeah. Well, when she came so. back before, they were already painting the place. She yeah. was in the asylum, I guess, for a about beautiful a month. pink. And she Just hated the color scheme. She did not like that color scheme. <laughs> <She's bad. laughs> I love how she pulled the tarp yeah. off the table like. Great! Uh, I don't approve of the color yeah. scheme. What a, what a weird burn in the yeah. middle of that sick burn, situation. bro. <laughs> but after she's been so yeah, the middle of the movie, she comes back and sees that her husband has moved on. After she's been in an asylum, it's very vaguely defined, like when you're committed and how you can get out and what the cops are right. doing with all this. But anyway, when she's coming back at, purely as an avenging spirit, not to criticize the paint job and the color choices. Um, there's this little vignette, just a little picture of domestic life between Trevor and his new girlfriend. That's just the most bizarre thing yeah, in the world. They're totally. talking about making dinner. She takes a paper plate of raw meat <laughs> out of the fridge and throws the raw meat down onto the counter. Yeah. And then it's not like she's really chopping it up. It's kind of no. like she's just mad at it. Like she's just oh, she's angry. She's manhandling it. He's grieving too she much. Doesn't even neatly cut it. No, he's destroyed in the it. bathroom. That was raw meat, right? I'm not yeah, imagining yeah, that. Yeah. And it was a paper plate, right? Yeah. It wasn't like wrapped in anything. And she was cutting it so strange. She was just like <laughs> no, no consistency to it. What do you guys think overall of Candyman? Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed the first one a lot. It it, it does a lot. It did a lot of cool things, even though the. The logic of the whole thing is kind of skewed a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really did enjoy it. I, I think that everybody is kind of overacting. It's like everybody's trying to kind of be in this version of a person. Like mm-hmm. it, the black people are very extreme. The white people are very like, well, actually, well, everybody's speaking. In a they're very, very studious. They're, they're really smart white very people. Very studious of the black people yeah. are very like. Oh no! It's like everybody's speaking like that. Anne Marie, whole... uh, when her baby gets stolen, yeah. that scene really stood out to me. I was as like, "What's masterclass?" <laughs> yeah. Just standing at the crib, shake like picking up and slamming it down, and then just screaming at the wall. Like yes. I thought and that was blood on the floor. I thought that was a dream sequence when that scene happened. When right. she like wakes up in the apartment yeah. and there's a severed yeah. dog head yeah. and there's someone screaming about the baby. I was like, "There's no way this movie just went to eleven this fast because now that she's gonna ha- like and then the cops came in and i was like okay she's gonna wake up any second because there's no way the cops have her yeah at this point in the movie and then there's a really right. creepy scene where a female cop is like asking her to disrobe so yeah. she can check her out and stuff and that was kind of unsettling and then the next scene they're talking about bail and i was just thinking what yeah you know that's why know. you avoid having your character get caught by the cops in a movie is because it's just not realistic to have it be like oh an hour and a half later you're right. just wandering. You know, sure. You're free to go. There was a couple um, aspects of the of the film that reminded me how 1992 it was, <laughs> and that was uh, how much smoking at restaurants mm. there were. Yes, when they had their meeting with uh, with uh, the only character that carried over to the second film besides Tony Todd, the uh, guy that told the story, Professor Purcell. Purcell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him, Trevor. Uh, He's Helen a bit of a snobby friend. Brit, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, this yeah. Guy. yeah. Uh, there's a really annoying uh, shot in that dinner sequence. For continuity, there's a shot of him talking where he has his glasses on and then his glasses off and his glasses on again. It drives me nuts. Anyway, the smoking in the restaurant, very, very crazy. And then also when they visit the Caprini Green and get through like to the graffiti rooms, how many photos she's taking on a on a on a on a yes. thirty on a wine camera. And you can hear it when the film roll ends. You can hear it rewinding the roll of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that she thought the film was destroyed and her friend was able to get it developed and they had to wait for the picture. Theoretically, she's been in the, the, the sanitarium for that long. Yeah. And she gets out and, and the film is still... Good news, I got it developed. <laughs> <laughs> I got the prints from Walmart. Just weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> that that was good times. Yeah. Just I, I love the the concept of like... We're on to something. Let me wait seven to eight business days, yeah. seven to ten yeah. business days to get the film. Yeah, <laughs> or or, the, or pay the extra for the one hour processing if it's available. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You're uh, right about the smoking too. Just yeah. people smoking just nonstop. Yeah. Like she non-stop. just lights a cigarette and then when she Everywhere. puts it out, then she lights a cigarette. When she sees her friend and they smoke in a classroom. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's like what? They just started talking. 
anyway, it was a cool thing to do in the early '90s, though. It was cool. I mean, she reminded me of uh, the the friend reminded me of Rachel. What is her name? She was in the craft. I think she was in the craft. Oh, the 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 one. It, like one of the main witches in the crowd? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. She does. She reminds me of that. I don't lady. know if that's her, though. No, no, it's okay, definitely okay, not okay. her. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting movie. My whole, I mean, just to sum up, I, I thought one was really good. I, I mean, it's, it. it holds up to me. It kind of gets a little crazy <clears throat> towards the movie, towards the end. Some of the acting is really, really, really bad. Um, and some of the logic that matters more to me now, having like seen other movies that are really, really well-made movies, mm-hmm. like storytelling-wise... You, you really like the crack show more in movies like this. But again, the takeaway for me is Tony Todd is Candyman. I think is a really kind of iconic boogeyman performance. Um, and oddly enough, I think the, the more pulled back it is in this film benefits the performance. We're in the films that we'll talk about here in a second. Like the more he gets to do as Candyman, I think hurts the Candyman character, but yeah, for me it was a fun. It was fun to just kind of tick this box and, and yeah. to see what it was all about. So one of the uh, last things I'll mention is the one of the other big takeaways was the the score. For yes. The yes, Philip Glass, Glass, first and second Candyman. He does both scores, mm-hmm. and they're pretty great scores. Yeah. And for Candyman one, thirty million dollar production budget made twenty five point seven in theaters. So the interesting thing was it didn't make its money back in theaters. Yeah, I would have thought but it would then, But then it got a life on home video, which is why three years later we get Candyman Farewell to the Flesh. As opposed to in these days and age now, like you'll get a sequel within a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. A horror film is big enough at the box office. They don't wait for the, the home video stuff to come in. You know, this movie didn't even break even, but then it gets a life on video and oh, let's go for it again. And the second film comes out three years later in theaters um, I couldn't find the production budget for Farewell to the Flesh, but it only made thirteen point nine million at the box office. Mm. So I'm sure it cost more than that. Yeah, yeah it had to cost um, more so, than thirteen million, which is why the third one, I'm sure, went straight to DVD. Directed by Bill Condon, crazy. I did not expect that at all. They all start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I did read where Bill Condon said, that's like a sign of how low on the totem pole you are if you are being given the sequel to a horror movie, you know, because that is a kind of cash grab thing. Horror has always had that aspect to it. Right. So yeah, Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh. What did you think of Bill Condon's early work, Ronald? Um, One thing that really bothered me was Annie, Annie's uh, husband. What's this guy's name? Paul. Paul Paul McKeever. I guess, was that supposed to be a New Orleans accent? Oh, you got the do-to-do. Hey, what's the matter? You don't like my cooking? Is too hot for you? I'm not hungry. Ooh, the accents, I feel like... It was like... killing me. Like, it was all over the place. Oh, I feel like the accents all over this movie were all over the place. But yeah, his his was a little nutty. Sometimes and... it'd be like, you know it, you gotta do it. Then it'd, be, it'd just change. <laughs> you gotta do your do. <laughs> if you listen to do it. Do it, do it. It would be like that, and then it'd be like, yeah, absolutely, you should definitely... Mm-hmm. Like, why is it switching so much? You gotta start thinking of the good things in life. For instance, you got a whole classroom full of kids who give a damn because of you. Plus, you got a stud muffin for a husband. At least your mama thinks so. The one difference between this one and the last, we didn't really get into anything until about 30, 40 minutes into the movie. Like, one big thing happened. I mean, how long it takes to yeah, get to for, the. For things yeah. to start developing. There's that opening scene where we see Purcell oh, from the right first now. movie, and it's like, oh, here's a guy who we don't like, so yeah. let's watch him get his comeuppance. Um, and I have to admit, they they kind of the fake out in the book reading actually worked for me. I thought yeah. that was really cool because I did think, oh, he's about to get it after he assumed he wasn't going to get it, right. and then it turned out to be something he had staged. And then I thought, okay, of course they're not going to. I mean, again, this is the movie series though, where you would have someone get killed in a room full of people, yeah. and it's like everyone in this. 
town now knows Candyman is real because they just saw it. Well, it happens later in the film. Right. In but do you know what I mean? Like, in, Normally yeah. in these movies, it's like, it is an urban legend. Yeah, it's a totally. whisper. It's, oh, Freddy Krueger does this, or oh, they say Jason Voorhees does this. But these movies jump right in with like, it seems like everybody knows about Candyman, and then everyone's like, oh, Candyman again. <laughs> um, but what I noticed about this movie, and it was present in this early scene, where he's in the bathroom and there's like running water and I swear like somebody sips some coffee in a restaurant. The sound design in this movie is so crazy. Like the way the sound effects are layered in, whoever it was that was doing the mix went crazy with the sound effects. <laughs> like when there's water running, it's like, but it's like really loud. There's a scene later in the movie where where um, cherry syrup is poured onto a snowball to flavor it. Oh yeah, and like You're the right. sound of you that hear is like hitting the ice. It's yeah. like. <laughs> Sweets, all the sweets. Throughout the movie, you're getting a little bit of a hint. I couldn't tell. I think a lot of the dialogue was looped. Like, especially, like, the stuff with the boyfriend or the husband when they're going and investigating. There's just scenes where I was like... And so I think a lot of times when they do... When they have to re-record all the audio, which is probably what they had to do, the the sound effects sometimes feel really inserted, you know? Specifically Um, the the stabbing stuff, too. Like, that's another thing I noticed that was kind of... It felt on top of everything. Yeah. Because I, I feel like... Like the no crunching matter, and kind yeah, of... Yeah, what, what are you using the that it sound. sounds like basically you're putting your hand in some, like, like a smoothie or something. Mm-hmm. It's like... <laughs> and then you hit a bones crack. Right. What, what what would he be doing that it would make that much noise? Probably late in the edit. Well, as you go from the... What is it? Yeah, the gut? Or the... What, what is the line? The what, Gullet. The, from a groin to gullet. Groin, groin to gullet. Right. Groin, you're going through the guts, and yeah. then you start to hit the bone. Yeah. He has and you a, hear that... Yeah, the crack. rib crack. Yeah. He has a signature thing that he does. He turns the person around so that the victim is looking at... Yeah, oh, yeah. The <laughs> it's like, don't look at me, look at them. Look at me, look at All them. Right. Yeah. Because it's got to come out the front of them, <laughs> yeah. so the victim sees the hook yeah. coming up their their body. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, then it. two people are like Every terrorized. Uh, yeah, I, so. I actually felt like overall, like I felt like this movie, like felt uh, is weird. Like it's not as good as the first movie, right. and it definitely has some issues. But I felt like just like the aesthetic of it, the 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 shots, the film, the way the it was more consistent for me yeah. than I thought the first movie. Like in the performances, you know, there's some ridiculous stuff happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. But well, like we mentioned about the first one, like how like I feel like Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen like kind of stand out far more than like anybody else in that movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like at least in this movie, there was more of like a baseline of like. If it's not good, it may not be good, but like everybody's kind of in the same sandbox in this right. movie. And I felt like, you know, some of the some of the um some of the set pieces were a little more uh impressive because I don't know the whole point of taking place in New Orleans and developing the more of the backstory of like the slave house and like his little his story and yeah. how he gets into the mirror. Like I felt like that was kind of cool. Um, because it felt more localized because this is where it happened. Right. Yeah. You know, like we were talking about the first one, like what's the what's the deal with Chicago? What's with these stories from coming all over the place? Where mm-hmm. in this one, there seems to be an actual reason why it would matter that he was here. Mm-hmm. And like this family has been like terrorized yeah. over decades at this point. Like there's no randomness to like the sister and brother and how they're tied into this and the father and the mother. You know, like yeah. I felt like it, how stupid it might be. Like, it did a better effort in oh, trying did. to tie it to where the movie was taking place. It really cemented the mythology in a way. Yeah. The first one kind of hints at certain things. And then the second one, even though it's kind of played out a little torturously, that it's like this escalating, like, there's like a flashback that you see flashes of, and then you see more and more of it. And yeah. then as as you get close to the end, you see the full event of right. what happened to him. Right. Um, and I honestly, I think that, like that idea of following someone who is connected to the family. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm 50-50 on it, actually, in a slasher type movie, because sometimes it is better if it's random. Right. But yeah. sometimes if you're going to continue, you do want there to be some kind of a story. The mythology is getting deeper. The person that is the protagonist has a very direct connection to him. It's not just implied like it was in the first one. Oh. Andy. You lied to us from the beginning. I've seen the birth certificate been to the cemetery. No, it's not true. It's true. 
Caroline bought the house because that's where he was born. She raised their daughter in that house, your grandmother. She was raised a white girl, and no one suspected the truth. But Daddy did. So Daddy started digging. Oh, your father. My father was trying to stop him. But you just kept on lying. I did it to protect you. Okay, now you just wait till you have children of your own. You'll understand. I'll never lie to my child. Your father was trying to destroy everything that we had by linking our name with that monster. So you destroyed it instead by denying the truth. I am not a part of him. We're his family. We're his blood. What was also strange to me was this house that I guess she grew up in. Yeah. Has crazy elaborate murals all over the who, place. Who is putting these up? I don't. I was not clear on that at all. Who like I, th- I thought up? first this was the cult that has moved into the space after the family was gone that right. had put this this up because they have expressed that there are people that follow Candyman or that worship yeah. him or something, and that they would have moved in afterwards. But then there's a scene where they describe her father going into the house and worshiping before that altar, or yeah. or doing you know trying to <laughs> connect, trying to. Like, I guess, was he trying to summon Candyman so he could defeat him? When he was around doing that stuff, those murals and stuff were already up. So did he paint the murals? Those were just yeah. in Very the house when she man. was a kid. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a crazy thing. In they... the angles. I'm like, what? Who, yeah. who did all this? Yeah. There was no explanation. I, I, I got the impression that the father sacrificed himself to prove that he, that he existed. That he's real. Yeah. yeah. That like that scene like at the altarpiece. That's what, but if you wanted to do that, you would do it alone at night. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Without any kind of proof or evidence or yeah. anything. No cameras. No nothing. Right. So, and just before your son has enough time to come in and possibly save you. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about this character of the son. What else has that guy been in? I feel like he always plays these kind of wormy little yeah. guys that are that are like eighties movie. In 90s movie, early 90s, kind of like you would put this guy in as the hero. Yeah. But he doesn't really, you know, he's kind of too milk toast or something or too white bread to really. I remember him, him from, um, which one was it? Uh, hot Shots. I, really? Okay. Do you remember, the, remember those Hot Shots, like the Charlie Sheen? Yeah. And, the first he, one or part two? The, the first one. He's in He's in the first one as, um, I think he dies like yeah, he, he's a, he's the the dead meat character. Oh, oh yeah, he's the goose. The, yeah, ref, right? yeah. I'm in a jet. What could go wrong? Oh, dead meat. We just couldn't be any more perfectly happy. I mean, I guess you do want to see how he gets the name Candyman attached mm. to him, but the fact that in the in the flashback they show that as the people are smearing honey on him, like I guess some honey gets on the. Cheek of a, it splashes up on a boy on a, on a yeah, and he tastes it and says Candyman, and then the crowd starts <laughs> calling Chanting him Candyman, it. and also a woman just says Sweets for the Sweet, which yeah. is a which is a a Hamlet reference actually. It's a, that's a line from Hamlet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah, seemed like a tortured a way to get movie. the name Candyman associated with. You got to squeeze know? it in. Yeah, I yeah. guess they had to. They did have to make sense of it. In the original story, like I said, he's some kind of a clown figure who might actually look like someone you would associate with candy. But otherwise, right. guy with a hook, <clears throat> avenging demon, doesn't really scream Candyman. So another thing that I, I wanted to bring up to you guys is like both of this one and even the third one, like they don't even make an effort to explain like how Candyman is still alive. Yeah, am I missing something? Like in terms of like in the first one where you made a comment that like they were he's able to be burned yeah and he like <laughs> dies yeah quote unquote but in this one you basically are told that like he really lives in in like he lives because he his soul is trapped in this mirror yes you know so like so he really wasn't dead in the first one no. he was just like coexisting in both cities at the same time mm-hmm. I guess and 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 like and like but more more to the third one though like. How is he still alive after they destroy the mirror? Yeah, they don't you know, really explain. You're right; they do that. The, the thing. whole the a, a lot of these slasher films, like when the sequels start hitting, you're like, these fucking kids made a dumb decision and they yeah. just resurrected Jason Voorhees. Yes. Yeah. you know. But in this one, you just jump in and you're like, there's a history of family like <laughs> right. investigation into their ties to Candyman. Dad killed himself yeah. and or, or or sacrificed himself. That is true. Candyman could lift a person with one arm. 
But he couldn't move a plank out of the way when the when the fire happened. Yeah, but then <laughs> he, he lifted a whole person up. But then when he actually he catches on fire in the first one when he's walking to get H- Helen. Yeah, like he, then he starts swatting like yeah. planks. <laughs> he just starts cutting through four Rapid. by fours. <laughs> Like he just starts like bust. He looks like Shredder. He does go coming through. He does go crazy. So you're saying his skill set is ill defined. <laughs> I would is. say that's loosely what I'm saying. I'm yeah. telling you when he grabbed Helen and flipped her around. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was something going on. Some you're probably right. Like... But that first plank that fell on him, they caught him on fire. <laughs> he couldn't, couldn't throw it off. Couldn't dodge it quickly. But everything else in his way, he just mm-hmm. like. Is Bust like it through. Robots in water. Like a robot could do all this vicious stuff and you throw some water on it. It's like... Yeah, that's got to be what it's fire. what fire is. Fire but... weakens him until he can recalibrate and then bust through four by fours. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I, This one really kind of like, you know, getting into the story. Like Even though I felt like this one felt kind of tight as a story. Because oh, like, yeah. it's really contained to this family and their ties to... The slave history in this town in New Orleans and all that, it, it's really localized as, a, as like, the kills are mm-hmm. localized. But there wasn't really any, except for, like, I think there's one line of dialogue where it's, like, his soul is trapped in the mirror. Yeah, well, they show in that yeah. flashback that they, they, br- they bring her mirror up to his face so he so can see, see his how, reflection. how bad he looks and, like, how grotesque he is. And, yeah. yeah, and that I guess that's the image that she then sees in her mirror of him, as though he's already haunting the mirror. But then the mirror is, is embedded in the foundation of this slave quarters that the movie ends in. And the whole premise there is that she's sort of seems like she's under Annie, yeah. the descendant of uh, Candyman, who once again, a blonde woman, uh, in this case, running around. She's an art teacher yeah. in, in, uh, in New Orleans, yeah. mm-hmm. um, who Candyman sets his sights on. And, the, and, and we see why he's so fixated on her, because she's his descendant and everything. But it's like he's got her under some kind of hypnotic spell, and she's getting ready to go with him. Yeah. And then she thinks about what this means, this idea of joining him. But she then has the idea to, to think, okay, maybe I can destroy him if I destroy the mirror. When she smashes the mirror, um, uh, it, it's like they run through a demo reel of every unfinished CGI effect that just wasn't quite ready yet for a low-budget movie in 1992. Yeah. Tony Todd kind of just freezes and then he becomes a digital character and the difference is so apparent yeah, when he goes yeah. to a digital character but you can tell they linger on it like they show the cracks appearing through him it's you know you see it play out slowly and then like his his limbs start falling off and what's inside is just that CGI mush like magic eye it almost looks yeah, like you know yeah, yeah. it's just such an unattractive <clears throat> effect that and I normally can sit there with effects that haven't aged well especially with practical effects you can enjoy them yeah even if they're outdated looking but that early CGI is is one of the ugliest things that's ever it's been horrible. you know put before our eyes it's something I notice in all the movies but it really kind of popped out to me in the second one is that whenever the the, the 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 lead woman in this case Annie mm. is like witnessing somebody being gutted. Mm. It never failed that every single time blood would shoot in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like of the blood splatter, it would always hit like right here, so that mm-hmm. she'd be like, ah! like it would they would always and and it does it in the third one really bad. Like there's a scene in the third one where this cop gets killed in the cop car. <laughs> Through the seat or whatever, through his head or I don't know what it was, and the girl in the back seat still with a seat between them, still it goes in her mouth, and it was like such a random thing. But I was like, that much. It's just a visual, like it. it yeah. It's so that you know, like they've been they've been gutted. Like, yeah. The blood's on her mouth, like yeah. they're dead. Also, it's just like you have a character who's standing around watching bad things happen to other people so much in these movies. You have to show something happening to them. I guess. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of splatter. Exactly. Also, though, isn't that there to maybe make other people think? That they did the thing could be. I also made a note of uh, the hu- <laughs> the husband who's like a chef or something with all the accents. So yeah. with all the accents, it's like five accents. So they have they have a they have a sex scene, right? And like it's afterwards. He said, "I'm gonna do that do." And he was <laughs> a do a do to do. He said, <laughs> "He says, are you ready for dessert?" Yeah, it's like oh right. Are you ready for dessert? Next shot is him making like cake in the kitchen. Oh, like, <laughs> doesn't really? she say something like, 
Um, doesn't she say or, or like pancakes or waffles? I feel like she says something like, "I thought I already had that," or something like that. And it's like the it's like you the could lamest, be right, but I'm saying it's the lamest sexy banter of all time. But uh, that it just made yeah. me laugh because like it la- it's like one beat. It's like yeah, it, there's nothing really. Maybe she does say that, but the next shot is like you know him having prepared. Dessert, <laughs> like kitchen. a pie or something. In the meanwhile, there's all this like subtext of like yeah. the mother, the grandmother saying like, "When I'm going to have grandchildren, yeah. you know." And oh, and she's pregnant, and like this is that big sex scene where she gets pregnant. Yeah. And like he's got this dessert joke, and he's. <laughs> I would love it's it if it cut to him dessert. in the kitchen, and he was throwing a plate, a paper plate of raw meat <laughs> on the <meat>. counter. <laughs> nice little callback. It's just what happens in this world, you know. The the mother also. There were so many references to her losing weight because of her cancer that I I don't. That just kind of made me uncomfortable. <laughs> so weird. It's like two or three times she's like, "I can fit in my prom dress yeah. again." <laughs> How vain! When this movie ended with Annie having had her baby and naming her Caroline, and she's got a little mirror hanging over her bed. <laughs> so first step: destroy all mirrors. It kind of seems like if you were Annie and you had been through this, you <clears throat> yeah. would be one of those people who's like, "Why she doesn't have any mirrors in her yeah. house?" And here's why. Um, but I kind of mentally made the note: "Oh, I bet part three. I bet they. I bet they they squish the timeline even more as far as how many years have passed between movies yeah. because a movie made uh, four years later in 1999 has a character who has aged about 20 years. 20 years. Yeah." Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. Ronald, you did not watch this one. I did not watch it. Steve and I are going to, I guess, attempt to, to give you a, a picture of what you missed by not watching it. Lots of boobs. Yeah, boobs. Lots of boobs. Why? I don't, it's weird. I, I feel horrible writing this down. Lots of boobs. I wrote, whoa, boobs. <laughs> no, I wrote boobs three or four times. I, I was making a note just because I was curious. And you're right that the first two movies, they're, they, they're, they're sort of... They're sort of the coy. They, like, yeah. There's yeah. scenes where you could have full A nude woman. They're nudity, nude in the scene. But they, but it's shot so yep. as to preserve a little bit yeah. of uh, yeah. a little bit of privacy, I guess. Not the case yeah. in the third one, though. Well, and the irony is, is that like the lead is Don Derrico, who was a playmate yeah, in Donna like, Derrico, the mid-90s. And it was on Baywatch. Baywatch. Baywatch yeah. Nights. So she's total cheesecake <clears throat> material. Yeah. But, yeah but, but not her. But you see in flashbacks that the recast Annie, full-on naked. Multiple well, times. That was Carolyn. No, that was Annie. Okay, we're talking about two different flashbacks that have boobs in them. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh, There's yikes. the flashbacks to to Donna Jericho's character, Caroline, finding her mother in the tub, and that is recast Annie from That's the last I'm movie. About. I'm talking about the flashbacks to Daniel Rose. The painting sessions. Wooing uh, the woman who got this whole thing started. Right. There's there's gratuitous nudity there, too. Absolutely. But but the best part... Tony Todd fully clothed. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's lounging around in, she's like, naked. in like super Cinemax fashion, though. Yeah. It's just like, we got a woman to be naked, you know? Yeah, he's fully clothed. Okay. But, okay, so the third one hinges on the fact that his great-great-granddaughter <laughs> yes. or great-granddaughter? Great-great-granddaughter. Great-great-granddaughter, played by Donna Dierico from mm-hmm. Baywatch. Um, the Caroline. Little, the, the little girl from the end of the previous movie is now grown up, and she is in L.A. She's not in... We're not in Chicago anymore. We're not in New Orleans anymore. We're in L.A. Um, she has an art studio. She is... She's working with this gallery owner, yeah. I guess, named Miguel, to put up a display, a show of Daniel Robitaille's paintings. And, you know, we've heard all along wow. how great his paintings are. His paintings, you know, when have you ever seen one of those ads? It's like, get your favorite photo printed on <laughs> canvas. It's like uh, printed canvas art or whatever they call it. Because yes. it's a photo of fucking Tony Todd standing there that is supposed to be a painting. Oh. And it's a photo of this woman. But, yeah, the, so the art hanging on the wall, she's talking about how beautiful this art is and what a great artist he is. And it looks exactly <laughs> like... Custom canvas photo art. That sounds awful. But that's a sign of the budget, really. I mean, it's like a cheesier actress, uh, cheesier lighting, cheesier effects. Everything Mm. about this one is just, it's got no Philip Glass score. No. Oh. I don't even know. In 99, what was the the premise for cashing in on it again? (laughs) I'm not sure. Yeah. Easier to put it on DVD than anything, really. I mean, this, I mean, like the, the, the quality drops off pretty significantly from. Each film, and and but I mean, this one is really bad. Yeah, really poorly acted. I mean, like the you know the whole like taking again, him coming back. Why? How? Okay, okay. Because this time you have to destroy his painting. Yeah, that's there's a painting of him you have to destroy oh for that God. to be the thing that kills him. Whereas in the last one it was destroying the mirror. Whereas in the first Where his one, soul was kept yeah. safe and sound. Yes, but now he really lives because of the painting. They want to do a part four. They can just print another one. Who did he kidnap this time? Her boyfriend. 
her new boyfriend. Oh Jesus! Played yes. by Rod from Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I wondered if it was the same yeah. guy. I, I yeah. he he looks pretty good for his age, I guess, yeah. in that because that's yeah. what like ten or fifteen yeah. years later. Because um, he doesn't look substantially older than he did in Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. Um, yeah, I, 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 same thing. So, sacrifice for the you know, be my victim. Yeah, oh, be okay. my victim. Worst sales pitch save, of the century to save, to save him. <laughs> but the what I mentioned earlier, there's a sequence where he and he and uh, Caroline are like, in a, I think it's actually like a daydream she's having of him and her being like intimate mm. and like he's like going down on her and she's like enjoying it uh, <laughs> and then Candyman crawls up her body yeah and it's her great this is supposed to be her great great grandfather right. and he's like up on her face like not kissing her but you know even <laughs> I was weird I would say what he's doing is it's more disgusting. awkward than if he were kissing right her. he's like just he's like know, has, his of... nose is like hovering on her yeah. cheek and he's like yeah. talking into her ear oh, like yeah. the I think he may even be the, pulling the whole be my victim line again yeah. I don't know but uh, you will know your destiny. Yeah. You will be my victim. <laughs> great, great granddaughter <laughs> who is naked and I'm on top of currently. <laughs> so you can just sense that like this is like a sensational version of a Candyman sequel made for DVD, mm. trying to like get get the get the people that are like you know hanging on to the franchise and or can't really clearly get Skinamax or HBO After Hours on their yeah. cable box properly. So what's the what's the verdict on the series. What, how do you feel about it? I mean, I I feel like Candyman is still pretty solid. Like I feel like it holds Me up too. pretty well, and um, you know, the sequels kind of fall apart for me. But I I didn't hate the second one. I, I it's definitely not a good movie. But I I didn't. I remember like watching it now. I wasn't as like critical of it as I thought I'd be. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and maybe it's because like some of the performance in the first one I didn't really like. So like I guess comparing them, it didn't really strike me. And I watched them literally back to back to back. Yeah. So like I wasn't separating them. I'm glad I checked it out, especially because of that ultimate question of like, is this worth revisiting? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like Jordan Peele is a shoe in to direct it, but I was thinking like a, someone like him taking charge of the material. I think it would it would redeem some of that stuff that feels like they just threw in like this slavery angle to be salacious, and it does feel like it's a little bit in yeah. poor taste. I think a more skillful, uh, conscientious filmmaker could use that stuff and and add to the horror and maybe add a little bit of pathos to the fate of this man. What do you think of, of it's a gonna happen? It's gonna happen regardless. Yeah. So if it's gonna happen, I would probably always put someone like Jordan Peele to the front of the list. Yeah. So like Same. you know, it, it's something that's unavoidable. It's a it's a at this point in in the in the land of IP totally. that we are in right now, totally. the, the name Candyman is too valuable. Totally. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean this is movies uh 20 to 20 to 50 million dollar budgets don't really get made a whole lot anymore mm-hmm. but this is a property that could be remade in mm-hmm. that budget and could be pretty profitable and can I you think- imagine like the way horror movies do bank on an opening weekend if they d- if they made this movie right and they marketed it right can you yeah. imagine the opening the, the that's why i'm saying like the gonna, midnight it, showings it's gonna of this happen movie. no matter what yeah movies that come out that are truly 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 horrible horrible horror films made sub 10 million dollars opening weekend they're in they they made everything back you know what i mean like and you have a piece of ip that is is fairly beloved and like like i said before it ranks pretty mm-hmm. it ranks on lists right of all time horror stuff mm-hmm. you know if they are going to remake this mm-hmm. and if maybe they do it the right way do you think you recast tony todd or do you think you use tony todd i think you use tony todd but isn't I mean, he like on... pretty old at this point? I, I'm just wondering. Like, would audiences? I could see people being mad at the notion of anybody else doing it, but I could also see like once you get over the hump of somebody new in that role, somebody could do some really cool stuff with it. I think if it was more of a, I think if it was more of like a character hidden by something, I would say yes, you mm-hmm. you would cast him. But like he is, he does look older, and yeah. like it, and it's and it's him. Like he's yeah. If it's not some sort of you know, he's like forever that age, and these three films that came out within six or seven years of one another, so he doesn't really look that much older. Yeah. Right. But now, no, twenty years later, he does look older. He was in that Hellfest film that came out a couple weeks ago, and I saw oh, some of the promotional. I didn't see it, oh. but I saw a bunch of the promotional because he's like the big name in it, and he definitely looks older. Um, so my vote would probably be to recast it. Mm-hmm. So who could know. play Candyman? I, I, I don't. I don't know who would. I don't know who would play Candyman, but. Um, I'm sure Jordan Peele could find somebody good. Yeah. Hmm. It should be somebody tall, right? I mean, I'm always gonna say Sterling K. Brown. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I fucking almost said that, and I was like, because he's because look, man, he is like your ace. Like he is like 
He's your guy. Come on, man. He's your Sam Rockwell. For the longest time, Sam Rockwell was the guy who I just yeah. someone said, "Who should play this character?" I would, and Damn. I still, I still have that impulse. I think Sam Rockwell could probably do that. He, Sam Rockwell could play Candyman. He could Sam play Rockwell Candyman. Candyman. <laughs> Keegan Michael Key. I was like, Jordan Peele knows Keegan. I bet he does a pretty funny Tony Todd impression. You know, he probably could do a really, <laughs> a really good one. But I, I don't know. My gut just says recast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. I think anything they do right now, as much as it would be fun to see them do some stuff with old actors and to pay homage, they're looking for something they can they can beat into the ground for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, future. you could put a mask on Nick Castle and have him in the new Halloween film. Right. But, I mean, he's behind a mask. Right. You know, you could have easily cast Robert Englund in the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot and, like, he's in makeup. You yeah. know, Kane Hodder's in many of the Jason films, but he's behind a mask. Mm-hmm. But... Candyman is like a man. It's a man. It's a man's face. It's yeah. like it's Tony Todd's face. It's iconic, and it's going to be weird. Seeing I think somebody. that's the reason why it's weird yeah. is because it is just a guy. So you think you could recast it, but it's so Tony I know. Todd. Like, I know. It's 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 a good it's a good question. What about uh, what's his name? Blow my mind right now. Tell me somebody great. Uh, Kevin Hart. Damn. He was a, <laughs> he was a villain in the first season of Luke Cage. Oh, uh, Mahershal Ali? Mahershal Ali. Yeah. He has a great voice. That's the only reason why I thought he could be a good He actually could be good. So I could almost see him, I mean, this is really getting ahead of myself here, but I could see him playing the the idea that it's a love story that went wrong that led to this. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, you could picture him in that, if there are flashbacks. You could picture yeah. someone like Mahershal Ali doing well with the, you know, the setup part where he's a painter. We've already seen the Who knows how to print photos on canvas back in 1890? <clears throat> the preview of him and he, True Detective with the fake. Yeah. <laughs> they should not have put that up. No wigs, man. Just stay away oh, from wigs. Man. Oh, did you see Stephen Dorff's wig in it, too? In uh-uh. True Detective? No. One of the promo shots is of Mahershala and Stephen Dorff, like, oh. in like an interrogation room or something. The wigs. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That, that hurts me when people, like, yeah. is that the best you had? Yeah. Candyman, Mahershala Ali. Coming to theaters, twenty twenty one or something like that. When you know you're watching like Blumhouse and now Lionsgate's making like a huge concerted effort to like rebrand Lionsgate and start getting these micro budget horror films mm-hmm. back out that they kind of started <clears throat> in a lot of ways with the Saw franchise. Mm-hmm. Like you know Blumhouse has done it better and more consistently now. Yeah. So I mean, whoever ends up putting it out, like you know Blumhouse was get out. You know, so maybe they do a Candyman film. Yeah. I mean, they they got Halloween coming out too. So I mean, they're all about the IP. They've they've said that they've tried to get the rights to Friday Thirteenth, and he's talked to like about getting rights to Scream. I mean, like, mm-hmm. wow, wow, like fucking Jason Blum is like. What do you do if you reboot Scream? I'd I'd like to know what the take is know. even on that. I don't know. I, I I actually grew to like Scream Four. I remember just being so over the moon to see it when it came out, and like was kind of disappointed mm-hmm. when I saw it. But over time, I've like really become. I've come to appreciate that movie, like I've come to appreciate Wes Craven's New Nightmare, mm-hmm. like and what it was saying about the franchise. Yeah, yeah. Over like, time, like, it time t- goes it took by. Me no, I to think you realize right. what it was trying to do, and and it does it successfully. But in the moment, it wasn't the movie I wanted, mm-hmm. and I and I judged it for that, and it, it's kind of changed over the years. But yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious with it. I mean, they're doing Child's Play, they're doing Candyman, or apparently, it's it's. It all will happen. So if it's going to happen, why not have Jordan Peele involved? Because he's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he knows what he knows the right voice. He knows like, I just he he's a he's like a horror. Fan. I think that's the main thing. That's is the that... key. So Jordan, good luck. Yeah, good luck. We'll be seeing it when it comes out in 2021, whenever or whenever it does come out. I just pulled that out of the air, but you could it be so- right. Who knows? But that's mean, like too far away. It's it's believable. <clears throat> um, but that was. Candyman, Schmandyman. Candyman, Schmandyman. Candyman. I'd yeah. say don't even worry about the third one. Candyman. Okay. I'm, I'm Just wait for Jordans. To... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Unless you're a Donna Jericho uh, completist. If you're like a case, super fan yeah. of hers, you gotta, gotta <laughs> catch <laughs> this one. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to. I know the first one, well, the second one was on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. third one was kind of harder to find. Yes. Maybe just watch the first two, if you're looking for Candyman films. Yes, or just the first one. If you're trying to throw it in there in the mix for your your kind of Halloween horror yeah, yeah, fix, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the first two are worth revisiting. Yeah, sure. But do it with friends, yeah. so that you can kind it's of a fun watch yeah, in a group for sure. You kind of laugh along with certain parts. 
Well, that's it. 224 is done. Cool. We've got, we got through the second of our three. Like John said, maybe eventually we'll do the Puppet Master series. If, if they keep making them, we're going to really have, be playing catch up. <laughs> it's going to be a big episode. We should talk to them. Like, when are you guys going to finish? <laughs> yeah, right. So we know when to start. Uh, you can find us at moviespreview.com, facebook.com slash movieshmovie. And really any podcast platform that you know is out there. Uh, if you can find time to leave a review or a star rating, it would be appreciated. Mm. Oh, we would love that. Yeah, it would be so nice of you. Because um, it really helps us. And, yeah, uh, helps I've, us be found. It's funny. Like I've listened to a lot of podcasts like where I see like reviews and how much it helps them in terms of where they pop up and search stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that we're anywhere near any of these podcasts as I'm referring to, but I'm sure it can only do positive things for getting the schmovie out there. Yes. So if you can, that'd be appreciated. Mm-hmm. And uh, be on the lookout. Next week, we're going to have another episode coming out, our special Halloween episode. Yes. We're you thought this a... was our special Halloween episode. <clears throat> Psych! You were wrong. Surprise! <laughs> uh, we're going to have a friend on the show to talk about um, some of our best slash favorite slash most wow kills. Yes. <laughs> we'll discuss which one we decided on right. on that podcast. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. But that'll be coming out next week in time for Halloween So stick around for that, and hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Be my victim. (laughs) Sweets for the sweet. (laughs)